Here, I think, let's, before we start, let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer, and then we can dive into the Scriptures this morning. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we, we thank you for, the, again, the wonderful privilege we have of sitting in church. Lord, I pray, and, and I honestly do ask this, Father, with a, with a humble heart, Lord, and an honest heart, that you would come down and meet with us this morning. God, not, not just another meeting, Father. We, we honestly need your face, Father. We need you to your presence in this place. We need your presence, Father, to revive each heart. Father, and, and might you please dig through all the layers that we have added on over the years and, and meet with us here this morning. Father, I, I, I prayed, Father, um, Lord, with all the fervency that I know to you, Lord, please let us not walk out of this room unchanged this morning. Use this time. Use your scripture, Father, and, and sculpt us, Father. Use the clay, Father, that's on the potter's bench, and form us, Lord. Mold us. Break us if you need to, God. But please, use this half hour, 40 minutes we have this morning, and speak, Father, to us. Uh, we ask this and we praise this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. All right, so before we open our Bibles this morning, we'll get there now. I want to preach to you a quick sermon, lesson, call it what you want, um, called The Road to Revival. The Road to Revival. And I think I, I want to ask two questions to you this morning before we start. But, but why are you here this morning? I, I've, have, I've asked that in the past as well, but why are you here this morning? And really answer that question to yourself. What do you want to gain out of this morning? What do you want to do here? Uh, why, do you wake, what do you, why did you wake up this morning and decided to come to church? Was it just routine? Um, and then I'm going to let you answer that to yourself. And then the, the next part of this question is, what have you done to prepare to be here this morning? And everybody looks very nice, but I'm not talking about your physical outfit. I'm glad the makeup's up. I'm glad, glad the hair's done. But what have you done spiritually to prepare for this message this morning? What have you done? I'm not talking about fasting the week. I'm not talking about did you read your Bible. But, but have, you, have you entered the throne room and asked God, Lord, please show up this morning. I don't want to just come, sit, listen, and go out. Lord, I want you, I want you, and I need you to come and help me, Amen. to come and work in my heart, come and uh, break up the fallow ground. Father, it's been some time since that rain softened my heart, Lord, and I need you to revive me because we cannot do that on our own. And I think a lot of times we look at this and we say, yes, yes, I can do it. I, I, can, I can work in myself. I, I, I want to go to church. And there's a verse in Isaiah um, Ah, it's slipping me. I think it's somewhere in, 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 somewhere in the 60s. That says everyone should stir up himself. Stir up himself. And I think a lot of time we neglect that. We come to church with the expectation of, okay, feed me. Give, give. I, I need, I need, I need. But it's a 50-50 thing. And, I, and again, I, I said that two weeks or three weeks ago as well, that we need to come prepared. We need to start off a Sunday and say, Lord, I'm going to your house this morning. Lord, what do I want to get out of that? Lord, I, if I go to somebody's house, if, I, if somebody invites me for a dinner over to them, I don't show up in my pajamas and say, oh, 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 I'm here. Oh, okay, what do we do now? I prepare. I, possibly I take a shower, I dress nicely, and, and we, we take something with a gift or whatever it is, and, and we enjoy the time. But we prepare just like that. And that's menial, that's small, that's pathetic. How much the more should we prepare to meet with the God of the Bible every Sunday? And I don't say that 
as it should be something that, that, it, um, that should scare us. It should be something that excites us. We get to meet with God. Yeah. Not that we have to. We get to meet with the one that made us, the one that saved us. We get to ask Him and say, God, examine me. Lord, speak to me. Help me. Lord, comfort me. Whatever the need is, this is the place you can expect to, to uh, um, experience that Sunday after Sunday. But we cannot enter into this room and say, Lord, give. What do you need? You see, the whole, prep, the, the whole idea of preparation is to say, well, what do I need? Because once you ask yourself the question, why, why am I here? Well, what do I need? You kind of dig into your own heart and you say, oh, you know what? I need some help with finances. I need some help with this big decision. I need some help with my kid. I need some help with my spouse. I need some help with myself. But at least you get to the point where you say, I need help. That's why I am here. Lord, what more can I do here? I think, um, oh, if, if I tell you this morning, I'm, I don't want to really don't want to wax controversial here, but if I ask you this morning, have you gotten the vaccine? Now, and, and again, I'm, I'm, this is not an idea of it's right or wrong, but if I ask you, have you gotten the vaccine? Without a shadow of a doubt, your thought mindset already goes to the COVID-19 vaccine. You don't think about the polio vaccine you got when you were three or the flu vaccine when you got three years ago because society... With the, the word vaccine, jab, call it what you want, everybody thinks immediately about that. It's a preconceived idea where that society has molded us into. Okay? So if I want to be direct, I need to ask, have you gotten your flu vaccine last year? Then, of course, you will not think about the COVID vaccine. The same goes for Christianity. If I ask you this morning, are you a Christian? Of course, you will say probably, yes, I am. Why? Because with a preconceived idea, the society and the world around us has formed us to think this way when somebody asks, oh, are you a Christian? And we need to kind of rewire our brains because lukewarmness has become the new standard for holiness. In all the churches around us, the, the fruit, listen, listen closely now, the fruit that we see from churches around us, people around us, it is not good fruit. Because there is not good fruit, we look back and we say, but why not? The foundation that it was built on was shaky. Because the foundation was shaky, the whole, we look back and we, we can turn back the clock and we say, all right, but where did all of this, where did this all fall to pieces? Getting back to the idea, if I ask you this morning, are you a Christian? What, what, what's your thoughts? Yes, I am. Why? Well, I, I, I come to church. Um, I think. I think I've been saved. I prayed a sinner's prayer. Whatever it might be. Why? Why? And if the answer is, you know what? I've laid down my life for Jesus. I've accepted Him as my Lord and Savior. He is the one that saved my soul out of hell and I cannot do it on my own. Then, then great. Amen. I'm glad you're here. But that is not it. And I think so many Christians are just there of, of are you a Christian? Well, well yes, I am. Okay, but, but, but let's go further than that. Let's go deeper than that. What about it? And I think throughout Christian, Christianity, throughout um, the history, we see that especially Israel up and down, up and down, up and down with their spiritual, um, uh, what do I say, their, their spiritual um, uh, um, 
just the nature of their spirituality. They, were, they had revival one time, and then just 40 days later, they built a golden calf and then departed from God, and then up again and praising God, and it's the manna, and then coming down, and we don't want God anymore. And that is okay. I'm not condemning that. But what I'm saying is I think we are at a point again in our lives, and I say our lives, society, and, and if I can bring it down to our church, and if I can bring it down to your family, and if I can bring it down to you, we need revival. Now the question is, what is revival? What is revival? I'm going to read to you a quick definition here. It, the, I think it's Webster's 1828 dictionary says, it's a return, a recall to life, uh, sorry, it's a return, a recall, or a recovery to life from death or apparent death. You look dead. As the revival of a drowned person. Recall, return, or recovery from a state of neglect, oblivion, renewed and more active attention to religion, an awakening of men to their spiritual concern. Now, great. If I can just point your attention to this, a recovery to life from death or apparent death. The state of our churches today, goodness me, they look dead. The state of many Christians today, and might I say, some people in this church, you look dead. We need revival. We need that to come through a renewed and a more active attention to the things of God. We need God to come down and stir in our hearts. Lord, we want to. We want to know you more. We want to be here. We want to pray more. Another preacher defined it as this. What is revival? It is um, people sense the presence of God more powerfully. Conviction, despair, contrition, repentance, and prayer comes easily. People thirst for God's Word. Many authentic conversions occur and backsliders are renewed. You know what stands out for me there? Repentance and prayer comes easily. And I look at myself and I say, Armand, you struggled to pray this week. Lord, revive me. Repentance comes easily. How many times when you, when, when you preach the Word, people say, yeah, you know what, um, I, I don't think I believe in that, or how are you, why are you the one? Do you think you're better than me? They don't necessarily look at, at the issue but that we want to hide behind the fact that, oh, you think you're better than me. No, but can we get boiled down to this, that repentance is required? We need to humble ourselves, come before God and say, Lord, here I am. Break me. Mold me. Lord, do what you have to do. I thought about it this week while driving to work one morning, and the thought came, hit me, and, and it, I've, I've prayed this a couple of times through my saved journey, and it came up and I said, Lord, Lord, do what you have to do. You have to break me, Lord. And, and the moment I thought that, everything, I almost rolled the car, I'd be twitching, and my flesh doesn't want that. Because I've been through that before. It's not fun. God puts you in a position where you, it's not, there's no other uh, uh, place for you to go except to the throne. And that's the prerequisite. We think, and a lot of people think, I pray and I say, God, break me. 
they think you're going you're gonna to struggle to buy KFC this month because of the Lord break me. I'm going through such a trial. God has a way of working with people. And, and, I, and I say that, guys, not to say we need to run from that. I say we need to run to that. We need to rewire our brains to say, Lord, but I, I need that. Why? It's not fun in the process. But I know the results from that makes me better makes me a better Christian, makes me a better testimony. Lord, we need revival. So what is revival? It is a recovery from death or apparent death. And then specifically, the whole thing about prayer and repentance come easily. That's how we indicate, oh, revival is happening in here. People that appeared death now look at it and they say, wow, I've missed this all along. This is what Christianity is about. My goodness, I'm looking forward to prayer meeting. My goodness, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's Bible reading. Look, look, look at what I read in the Bible this morning. It talks here about God's Word and how powerful it is. Lord, stir us up. The history of revival specifically, and I'll read up a little bit on this, but history um, in the world, I want to say, let's say post-Paul, it's, it's, there, there's a lot of revivals that went on. Not a lot of them biblical, but if you type in history of revival, I mean, yo, you get the whole Azusa Street thing and, and a lot of, especially actually read up on revivals in South Africa as well, and there's a guy, and I forgot his name, Andrew, I think Andrew something. In the 1800s, there was actually mass revivals in South Africa. I did not know that, but um, very, very interesting. Now, if we point our attention specifically to, to the Bible, and we'll get to a verse now, we'll start, start paging around a bit, my time is running out here, but we have revival under Moses. I just mentioned it, the whole golden calf thing. He drew a, land, a line in the sand and said, those that are for the Lord, make a decision now. You, you need to come over this side. And the tribe of Levi was the first ones to come over. You know what I see there? That's just the history of revival. I just want to point out one thing. There was action. A lot of people said, yeah, 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 I follow God, but I'm going to stay this side. Levi said, I follow. I'm going to, I'm going to put action to what I'm saying. They say actions speak louder than words, Right? Your actions in your life speaks louder than you just saying, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yep. Your actions might speak contrary. You know, in, in, in the book of Joshua, there was a revival as well, Joshua 24. In the book of Samuel, there was a revival, Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 7. Um, 2 Kings 22, I preached on it a couple of weeks ago. Josiah, when they found the book again, there was massive revival. People repented. They burned their, their idols, smashed everything, did what they could, that's what I call a revival. In the book of Ezra, Jonah, Nineveh, you remember? Eight-word sermon. The whole country repented. Dogs, beasts, everything. Sackcloth and ashes. Turning back to God. We turn our attention to the New Testament, Acts 2, when Peter prayed. And he told those, uh, those people there when he, uh, who he preached and say, You killed the Messiah. You killed the Son of God. And although that has been mentioned to them, that's where God came down and broken up those hearts. And they said, oh my goodness. And we'll look at that verse later, but they say, men and brethren, what shall we do? And you know, right there, something changed. Why? Because there was not just a sitting and a receiving, but there was an action. Oh my goodness, guys, I realize I'm in trouble. Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then, of course, in the book of Acts, many revivals when Paul went on his first, second, and third missionary journey. Um, 
I think I'll point to this verse a little bit later. So the first point that I want to make here this morning is what is revival? We need to understand what that is. We need to understand, is that necessary? We need to understand, is it biblical? And for all of those three, I said, I've explained what revival is. I do, see, uh, I do say that it is biblical. And, and yes, I say we need it more than ever. The next point I want to make here this morning is why do we need revival? Why? Why do I need to be stirred up? Why, why, why? Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews 5. This is Bible study hour, so we're going to, from now on, we're going we're gonna to be quick fingers, hey, quick fingers. So Hebrews 5 and verse 12. I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, hopefully five reasons I say, biblical reasons I say we need revival. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. We start reading there in verse 12. Why do we need revival? Hebrews 5 and 12 says, For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Simple illustration. If you are a grown man, grown woman, and at age 25, 35, 45, 55, okay, I'm not going to go higher than that, but then you turn from meat back to milk, Hey, guys, come on. S something's wrong there. If I tell my wife, you know what, I'm not going to eat meat. I'm not going to buy anymore. I can't take the bull, literal, I can't go to spar and buy me tongue because I cannot digest it. There is a problem. It's a very simple illustration. But that is exactly where so many of our Christians, believers in this day and age, and so many people that I know and, 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 and that attend this church that are at that point where you've been here for so long, but we're back to milk. We're, we're not able yet to say, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm not saying you need to be able to explain the whole order of Melchizedek and be able to understand that. But are you saved? Can you explain that to somebody? Are you able? N not in a group setting, not on Saturday. If you sit down with your husband, wife, brother, sister, whoever, are you able to just chat about it? Just say that, that this is how it works. That's basic stuff. That's milk. But are you able to do that? And we need to build from that. I say we need revival because that's the state of our churches. People come, sit, and they say, now teach me. And a month in, they say, well, well teach me. And a year in, they say, well, teach me. And five years in, they say, well, teach me. And 10 and 15 years in, they say, teach me. There's never a spot in their lives where they say, great. I'm going to take this and I'm going to teach somebody else. You will be a student of the Word. I'm not saying stop learning when you're 15 years or 20 or been saved for 30 years. You will always learn. But as the illustration Pastor Mike always uses, be a bucket with a hole in it. The, all the info comes in. Now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start like I'm just gonna sow in seeds. I'm gonna start teaching other people. I'm gonna start with one guy, one lady, and I'm gonna start discipling them. Yeah, it's gonna be a bumpy road. I can tell you the first time I discipled, wow. I had to apologize to those people afterwards. It was rough. But I knew God used it. And I can promise you it was a step up. Doesn't matter, step forward, a step up from there on out. But at some point, you need to say, it's my time to shine. I have to awake to righteousness and sin not. 
Uh, isn't that the verse? Where is that? I think it's 1 Corinthians 15 and 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. Paul says, I speak this to your shame. I cry when I read that verse. I speak this to your shame because you do not have the knowledge of God. What are you going to do about this? I say we need, we seriously need revival. And this is the first reason. Because people are back at milk and not at strong meat. Second one, 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, a well-known passage. Specifically uh, speaking about the, when you, when you reach one of the T's, you've reached them all. Hey? So 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 3. We can read basically verse 1 to verse 14, uh, 17, um, but I want to point your attention to one. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5. He says here, Paul says, Having a form of godliness, but denying their power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly, uh, captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and ever learning. Remember what I said earlier. Teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me. And never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Hmm. Okay, Paul, so we're back at the whole idea of I have a form of godliness. But the fact, the fruit that I am not teaching somebody else tells me that I'm denying the power of the Scripture. I'm denying the power of God that can work in me because there is no fruit, no good fruit. There's fruit, all right? There's fruit. But there's good and there's bad fruit. So the whole idea of, of Hebrews, we're back to milk, leads to this. Because I cannot digest the meat, I cannot teach the meat, which means it puts me back a stance. But now I'm just, I'm just having that form of godliness, but I'm denying the power thereof. The next one we're going to look at is Revelation 3. Revelation 3. Revelation 3. So first of all, we said, it's the whole idea of milk. It's the, the people are, are unskilled, unskilled in, the word, in the Word of God. They're, because they are unskilled, it leads to a kind of an unbalanced life. The whole idea of lovers of pleasures, moving away from God, a form of godliness because of the meat. Next we get to this point. Revelation 3 and verse 16. Uh, let's start verse, read verse 15 there. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, but by the way, this is Jesus speaking right here. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. Plain English, I wish that you would either just be a Christian full on, or rather just not say anything. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest. Now this is the church of the Laodicean. When we go back in history and the couple of chapters before this, I think it's chapter, yeah, chapter, chapter number two, um, John mentions a lot of churches there. And each of those churches represent a certain time frame in history. And, and just so you guys know, we're right here in the Laodicean church age. 
and the church age he is referring to, it's from around about 1880, 1881, until where we're at now. So Jesus is speaking to us as a church. And he's saying, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. We are so busy entertaining ourselves with this form of godliness. We're so much, um, what do I say, under the influence of society that we struggle to see What's the dire state of our Christianity? And we say that, no, 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 don't, no worries. I have need of nothing. And Jesus said, you're wretched. If you turn to the person next to you and you say, wow, you're wretched. Is that going to go over well? No, no, it's not. So why if Jesus tells us we are wretched, we say, yeah. Why? You're miserable. You're poor in spirit. You're blind and you're naked. Church, what are we going to do with that? What are, are we just going to sit and say, nah? Or are we going to say, Lord, break up the fallow ground? We need this. Judges, Judges chapter 21. We're almost done. Judges chapter 21. And the last verse in Judges. The last verse in Judges. Again, I say, in Hebrews we read that people are unskillful. In 2 Timothy we read that they have a form of godliness but deny, denying the power thereof. Because of that it leads to lukewarmness. Because of the lukewarmness, we see in Judges chapter 21 and verse 25, in those days, I'll give you guys a minute just to get that. Judges chapter 21 and 25, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Yes, I hear, that's Old Testament. Yeah, I, I get that that's not applicable to us. But do you see the principle behind that? Do you see what the people did and how, how that ended up? There were no king in Israel. No final authority. We said, because we're unskillful, because we have that form of godliness, because we're lukewarm, we say, I don't really need this. I, 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 I've, 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 I've really, I came this far kind of with it, but, but I, can, I can do without it. And I'll, read, I'll let you go and, and read further and see where Israel ended up with that attitude. The last one I want you to point, point your attention to in this point is 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13. Second Corinthians 13. We're unskillful. We have an unbalanced approach to the form of godliness. I say we're lukewarm. We struggle with the final authority. And lastly, 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, Paul said, can somebody read the first word in that verse for me? 
2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Examine. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not, uh, sorry, know ye not your own selves, how that Christ Jesus is in you, except ye be reprobates. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do, that ye do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, appear approved form of godliness, denying the power thereof, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. Verse 5, examine yourselves. I started off this morning and I asked you the question, why are you here? Have you prepared? I'm not asking that to put your heart on conviction and say, but who is this guy asking me all of these questions? I don't need to answer you. I get that. I understand that fully and I agree with you. But can you stand before God and let Him ask that question? If He asks you this morning, what do you want from this meeting? What will you tell Him? If He tells you this morning, examine yourselves, oh, it's not a nice thing to do. When I start looking in the mirror and I start digging in my heart, God knows it doesn't take long for me to say, Lord, I need revival. Lord, I need you to break up fellow ground. I need you. God, I need, I, I need you. you. You have to, God, help me because I cannot do this on my own. I've reached a brick wall. God, I can do nothing in my own power to get past that, to get into your presence. Lord, you have to come over that wall, reach down, grab my arm, and say, come. Come. And point number three I want to ask this morning or maybe talk about here is how do we get revived? And I kind of say get revived. It's not something you get. It's something you experience. But, but how do we experience and how do we get to a point where we're able to be revived? Luke 18 and 13. We have about five minutes left, so let's, let's do this quickly. Luke 18 and 13. How do we get revived? I'm going to start reading there. Luke 18 and 13. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, if you know the story, it's about the publican and, the, and the, I think it's a scribe there. Um, this, this, this guy, this guy, he knew he needed help. So the first question I want to say, how do, oh, so the first statement I want to make here, how do we get revived? You need to examine yourself. You need to be honest with yourself. The, se- the second one, Acts 2 and 37. Acts 2 and verse 37. I'm going to quickly go there. If I can find the book of Acts. Acts 2 and 37. Right after Peter preached a great sermon. Pentec- the whole uh, uh, movement at Pentecost, the whole revival at Pentecost happened. Verse 37, now when they heard this, the people there that killed Jesus, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Quickly, quickly, see there. Now when they heard this, they were pricked. God's doing the pricking this morning. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? Are we going to ask people around us, somebody that knows, my goodness, what do I need to do? I don't know. 
You see, I said it earlier as well, there was kind of feet to this. They were pricked and they acted. They pricked and there was action. But guys, that, that's, that's the Christian life, eh? It never stops. The pricking never stops and the movement should never stop. God pricks and you change. God pricks and you change. God pricks and you change. God pricks and you take action. God pricks and you walk this way. God pricks and you say, Lord, I lay down my life. Not my will, but thine be done. There is a pricking. Examine yourself, first point. How do we get revived? Examine yourselves. Exercise true repentance. Point number two. Exercise true repentance. James chapter 4. We're almost done. Two verses more. Two verses more. James, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and I'm going to read there in verse 7. The Bible says here, Submit yourselves therefore to God, and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, Draw nigh to God, and he might draw nigh to you. That's not what the verse says. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mournings and your joy to heaviness. I say we need to experience some mourning. We need to experience some hardships. We need to get to a point where we say, I cannot jump to whatever there is in life. I cannot jump to my money. I cannot jump to my job. I cannot jump to my spouse. I cannot jump to the pastor. I cannot jump to nothing. But I can jump to God. Examine yourself. Exercise true repentance. Experience hardships. And the last one, Exodus 32. Exodus 32. Exodus 32. I think I'll end up here. Exodus 32. And I briefly referred to this story here this morning. It's the, the whole idea of Moses went up to the mountain, Mount Sinai. He prayed, for, fasted for 40 days. And in that 40 days, the children of Israel came to Aaron and, and, they, and um, they told him and said, man, where's this Moses guy? We, we can't go on like this. And, and they said, you know what? Go build us a calf. And... Um, Aaron said, all right, let's bring, bring the gold, bring the earrings. And they built the calf. And long story short, Moses came down, heard the music. Verse 25, and when Moses saw that the, that the people were naked, I cannot help to read that. I'm not going to even go there. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? At some point, I almost uh, tagged the sermon as the question of who is on the Lord's side. Put every man, where am I now? Let him come unto me, and all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? And when he said that, he said, now come. Come, come stand this side of the line. You know where Moses is, a, is kind of a great picture of? It's Jesus. Jesus drew that line in the sand at Calvary. And he said, if you want to experience this, come. But you have, to leave that, you have to leave that behind. I don't know where in history somebody got a 
hole in the fence of Christianity. And at some point, we started carrying our idols through that fence and we kind of moved the line back constantly. And we find ourselves now a Christian nation filled with idols and, and a warped idea of what we should do and how we should act. There's so much more to say about this. Ask me the question this morning, why are you here? What do you want to achieve? And can I ask you this morning that, that you would use this time, the spaces between the sermons appropriately. If you have not prepared, use it. If you pray and, 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 and you know, and God knows we need it, we need revival, pray and ask. Get to that point. This is a process. This is a process. Garrett, I'm going to be like two more minutes. I think he's in the mother's room. You know, somebody phoned me or, or sent me a message on Friday, and, and it, it, was, it was, it almost brought me to tears. Um, somebody I've been really trying and pray, praying about, somebody very dear to my heart, just sent me a message to say, hey, do you still have more of those pamphlets you guys pass out? I'm like, Why? Well, what are you going to do with them? I mean, it's, 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 not, a, it's not a person that, that usually passes out these things. He's, he's an introvert and, um, yeah, so, somebody that, that's not really used to this, didn't grow up in a culture like that. And he said, yeah, I, I need some more. Very awkward. Gave, gave the tracks to him and I just couldn't help myself. I, I sent him a message yesterday evening. I said, you know what? That meant a lot to me. And, and you know what I saw? That is the first step of revival. That guy older gentleman, laid down his life and he said, that's not my tradition. It's not what I'm used to. It's not what I want to do. But I know that's what I have to do. That's where revival starts. Small things. Start with the small things. Can I ask that you guys stand? We'll have a, have a word of prayer. God, you can use every opportunity, God, whether we have enough time, whether we have little time, Lord, you can use it. Lord, and I pray that you would use this time, Father, this consecrated time that we set out for you, Lord, to prick us, mold us, form us, change us, help us, God, to move closer to you. Lord, we need that, Father. Lord, I want that. God, and I pray that you would work in the heart of these people, work in the heart of, of me, Lord. Change me, God. Mold me. Help me, God. Father, might we stand together as, as, as men, brethren, women, as a congregation, Father, laying down our lives to you, Father, and, and begging you to meet with us, begging you not to leave this congregation. God, I pray that the rest of the day would be spent in Your presence, Lord. That we would be sensitive to Your Spirit. That we would go into this week changed, God. Lord, I really pray for the next sermon to come. Lord, I'm really looking forward to hearing that. God, I pray that You would come down and meet with us, God. Change us, prepare us, and help us. And I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen, guys.